The message you are listening to is recorded by Campus Outreach for the 2019 Campus Outreach New Year's Conference. More information about Campus Outreach New Year's Conference can be found at conycnd.com. Okay, but I'm Jesse. Actually, I'm Jesse Salinas. I just got married. We both work with UIC under Campus Outreach, um, but do you have anything else you want to say? We're really excited to be in here, and we're super grateful that you guys want to come hear about how to DTR. Yeah, so we're just going to dive in, um, and one thing I'll have you know, hopefully this will be very interactive, so we'll ask you some questions. Just go ahead and answer them out loud. Might feel a little funny at first, but you'll get the hang of it. Has anybody been to a black church before? Anybody? Yeah. All right. So when I said, can I get a witness, what y'all say? Amen. All right, let's try one more time. Can I get a witness? Amen. I'm probably never going to say that actually in what I'm saying, because I don't want to cut it out. But we'll ask people to you know, respond, say some things, and just feel free to do that. So like Jesse talked about, we're talking about defining the relationship. What we want to do in this seminar is really help you guys to navigate through some of the relationships in your life that you might be experiencing some brokenness, some woundedness. We all have those things. We've all experienced them. And so what we're going to do is we're going to walk through five ways um, that you can DTR, define the relationship, or... Um, Okay, define the relationship or really start to walk in, in health in some of the, these relationships with a biblical framework, a Christ-like mind. Oh, look at that. Think it's up. Give it up for the AV folks. That's what I was talking about. Yes. All right. So the very first thing that we're going to talk about, about defining the relationship, is... Yes. How about you guys... Can we go to the next slide, Riley? Okay, so that was us. Okay, the next slide, one more. Okay, can someone actually stand up and read this? This is what a lot of our content is gonna come out of. It's 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. So if you can't see it, maybe turn. You wanna read it? Okay, read it loud and proud with passion for us. Hurry up though. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ uh, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was uh, reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are, uh, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Yeah, thank you. Points are actually going to come for this, and we're going to actually ask you to read that a couple more times, okay? All right. So the first point is you must have a new view of yourself and of others. So if you want to start walking in healthy relationships, if you want to start uncovering some of the brokenness um, in those relationships, 
and really see them through a biblical lens, you get a new view of yourself and others. Um, and that comes from the very first part um, of the scripture, verses 16 through 18. I'm gonna read them one more time really quick. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Has anybody heard that last part before? The old has passed away, behold, the new has come? Okay, a few people. Um, I love that verse because one, it's talking about when you become a believer, God does something incredible in you and he makes you brand new. Man, he gives you a new heart. He gives you a new perspective. He gives you a new mind, everything. Um, but I think a lot of times the mistake that we make is we jump first into, okay, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to look at others? What is going on with me? And if we remember the very first, I guess last night was the very first night, um, Mac, who was one of our speakers, he kind of walked us through those four things, um, and he started with God. And so that's what I want us to do today. Not just talking about ourselves and other people, but if we want to have the correct view of ourselves, if we want to have the correct view of people, we have to have the correct view of? God. Okay. The correct view of? God. Good job, y'all. That's what I'm talking about. So, first and foremost, I want us to really understand a few things. Number one, God is holy. Anybody know what that word means, holy? Okay, like I said, interaction. What does holy mean, anybody? Go ahead. Yeah, you you all in my agenda. Without sin. Without sin, okay. Holy? Set apart. Set apart, yeah. So, man, God is holy. He's set apart. He's without sin. He is perfect, okay? And not only that, Mac also talked about how he was the creator, right? He created every single thing. He created me. You, he created the people that you're in a relationship with. Why the heck is that important? That's important because if you think about it, God is completely holy, completely perfect. So all of his characteristics are completely holy and completely perfect. So if God is loving, he's completely loving. If God is good, like we say today, and a lot of y'all are crying, you are good, you know, like he's completely good. So it's not just, man, he's, he's a really great guy. God is perfect. There is nothing wrong in him. And not only that, that same God that's perfect, that same God is that, that is holy, created you and created everyone else. And that is what gives people that innate dignity. That, what, that is what adds value to people. And that's what adds value to us, that we were created in the image of a perfect, holy, good God. And if we see ourselves in that light, and if we see others in that light, we're gonna be a lot slower to walk in brokenness, to walk in anger, and walk in some of the things that tend to break our relationships. Can I get a witness? Amen. Yeah, y'all ain't awake at all, but that's okay. <laughs> And super important, so once we view God in that light, we're able to kind of view ourselves in the correct light. And when we view ourselves in the correct light, we can view others. Can I get, um, well, you know, I don't want to run on time, so I'm going to reread that uh, verse 16 one, one more time, because this is really what I want to hit on. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Though it's passed away, behold, the newest come. So that 
goes a step further for you as a believer. If you're in this room and you're a Christian, not only were you created by God, but you were redeemed and renewed and restored and made new. So not only do you have dignity because God made you, but also the way that you think, the way that you walk in your relationships should be different. You should be looking at it through a biblical lens, and you should be looking at others through that biblical lens of dignity and of value. And I want to give just a quick example of why it's so important to see people correctly, right? So imagine if I, somebody who's walking down the street, me and Jesse, right? And someone, you want to, you want to, okay, great, she's going to do a demonstration. She's walking down the street, looking good in her cheetah. And then someone stabs her. Yes, yeah, <laughs> and she falls to the ground, right? Bleeding, all that kind of stuff, right? And there's two people standing on the side, and it's just you and Jesse calling someone for help. Yeah, someone come help my friend. You look over, you see one person over here, you know that they're a doctor. What are you going to do? Get the doctor. Yeah. There's a random doctor standing on the street. She just got stabbed. She's on the floor bleeding. You see a doctor over there. What are you going to do? Help, help me, help me. My friend is stabbed to death, or whatever. On the other side, you see a serial killer. What you gonna do? <laughs> Run away. Yeah, you're probably not gonna, you're probably gonna call the police. <laughs> that is a crazy analogy, but it kind of speaks to how we view people. If I view someone in the wrong lens, if I thought the serial killer was the doctor and I call them over to my half-dead friend, they're probably gonna kill her. They're gonna they're finish the job. But if I view that person as a doctor with the skills that they're supposed to have, they're gonna give life to my friend. It's the same thing when we think about how we view others. A lot of times we think about competing with other people. We think about men putting them down. We think about, men, you look different than me. I can't, I have nothing in common with you. The perspective is wrong and the only way to view them correctly is through the biblical lens and having the Lord to restore your mind. Does that make sense? Y'all feel, feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Great, great. There's like this little game I like to play, um, just a little bit with that. She was talking and it just came, but, so if God is our father, who are we? His child. If God is love, then what are you? Loved. If God is forgiven, or forgiving, right? Forgiving. And then you're in Christ, like what are you? Forgiven. Keep playing that with yourself and let that renew your mind. Knowing who God is will definitely shape that, okay? Um, but the second point, and this kind of goes underneath some of the theology Grace just said, you must live in an investment mentality. And I would say knowing that because your hearts will be exposed. Um, have you ever heard the saying, where your heart is, your treasure is also? Yeah, well, in Matthew 6, uh, 19 through 21, it says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, or where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. But where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So guys, every treasure you set your heart on and actively seek, it's going to give you some kind of return. So often in relationships, I confess, um, so often in my relationships, our desire is maybe to receive some type of profit or recognition, control, or just to feel loved, right? Um, 
Example, example. An argument of moment between you and a friend uh, could be an investment in, so you're arguing, right? This could be an investment in you being right. You're arguing because you're trying to prove that you're right. Thus, you aggressively argued that friend into a corner. Well, it's not likely that the return you're gonna get is to feel appreciated by that friend, right? Probably not gonna appreciate you arguing them into a corner. Personal example, y'all, maybe like last week or a couple of days ago, um, my husband and I, who just walked in the room, hi love, <laughs> we, um, we got to this, <laughs> we just got to this really big fight, y'all, this really big fight about writing our seminar talks um, one morning, and we argued uh, for like a good 10 minutes. And he, Jonathan just got up and left the room. He just got up, didn't say goodbye or anything. He just left and went to the back bedroom to work on his seminar talk without me. Um, you know, he just left. And so, but really what was happening was in this argument, I was asking Jonathan a lot of questions. And my motivation was to prove my point. And I was not looking to understand um, or to think about his agenda for the day, if that makes sense. Um, I guess I wasn't very appreciated in that time. Do you see the investment? I was trying to be right. I was trying to prove my point, and I did not invest in my husband at all. And thus, yeah, I don't get to be appreciated in that moment. I would have left the room too. Uh, so guys, in your relationships, if you invest in a willing service of maybe humility, um, to serve, to admit you're wrong, or just to simply listen, you'll probably experience that return of appreciation, respect, or a deeper understanding, right? Or a deeper friendship. So if I would have went into that argument, not trying to prove my point or ask him a million questions untactfully, but just to listen and to serve, the outcome probably would have been different, right? And so investment, it is inescapable. You guys, you invest every single day. And it's hard to get away from it. Uh, but you get the opportunity to just have a meaningful present with your investment. And so the question of our heart is, is it more valuable, fill in the blank, blank, than for my family member to feel heard, for my friend to feel loved, for my father to be forgiven? Does that make sense? So is it more valuable for me to prove that I'm right, for me to have control, for me to be glorified before my father can be forgiven, before my husband can be heard, before my friend can feel loved. And so the application with this is you have got to live in a constant repentance and forgiveness um, of your motivations and ask yourself continuously what grace just taught us where is my identity? The good news is that in Christ, guys, in Christ, you have a vindicated past. So you don't have to be your best hope in relationships. You don't have to have control. You don't have to prove you're right. You don't have to rescue yourself. And you don't have to be your own just self-righteousness. Because God, who made him who knew no sin to be sin, did that so that you could become the righteousness of God. 
So it was from that it was from God that you would be saved. So you are loved, and you can invest in that. Amen, girl. Better reach. <laughs> um, so moving on to the next one, and it even kind of continues on through what Jesse just talked about. Well, you must have a new view, not just of your yourself, not just of others, not just even of your mentality, but just relationships in general. So I want everybody to do something real quick, okay? Everybody close your eyes. Just close your eyes, and I'm looking to see if your eyes are open too. Yes, I see you close them. All right, I want you to get in your mind's eye that relationship that you just feel is broken, that relationship that drains you, that relationship that you think, man, when I go home, I definitely don't want to talk to this person, or when I go back to school, I don't want to talk to this person. Think about that. Okay, open them. So now, the way I want you to view that relationship, the one that you just thought about, and I want y'all to write this down, I want you to number number one, view, view it as a service opportunity, a way to serve. Number two, I want you to view it as a gift. View it as a gift. And so can I get one brave reader to stand up and read um, verses 18 through 20? Thank you. From now on, therefore, regard no one according to the flesh, even though we must regard the Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus to the law. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, trusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. God making his appeal through us. That's good right there. Thank you, Olivia. Um, I just realized that the numbers were up there, so that's my bad. Um, but 18 through 20 is the part that said, that starts with all this is from God, okay? And so we say we want to view it as a way to serve, we want to view it as a gift. And that comes from directly this verse right here. So look at the part that says, um, Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Um, I love this because a lot of times in our relationships, kind of like what Jesse just talked about, we view it as a way for me to benefit, for me to get something out of it. Um, and we completely miss the opportunity that God has given us to serve that person. And it's directly told to us right here. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. So every relationship that God has given you, it's not just to man, go through the motions. It's not just to say that I have this group of friends or I've been placed in this family. It's not random and it's for a reason. It's because you as a believer have been given the opportunity to do the same thing that God has done for you to reconcile, to bring back something together that has been torn apart. For us, what was that? That was our relationship with God, right? Y'all awake? Okay. It was our relationship with God. And now we experience that in brokenness with each other. So many times we have strife, we have envy, jealousy, all these things. But what would it look like to instead um, using it as a way to serve ourselves, to serve others? 
and one way that I um, have experienced this personally, anybody got a, an older sibling in here that gets on your nerves? Put them high in the sky. Me, I got an older sibling that just gets on my nerves, okay? I love her to death though, but she get on my nerves. Why does she get on my nerves? Because growing up, it was always, oh yeah, that's Emmy's little sister, Grace. That's Emmy's little sister. Oh my gosh, look how cute. It's like, I'm not cute. I mean, I'm cute, but yeah, anyway. Um, because I was Emmy's little sister, I always felt this competition with her. She was the smart one. She was the pretty one. She was the skinny one. She was the athletic, she was everything that I wasn't. And so there was this bitterness that kind of rooted up in me and, it, and the way it would play out, my sister would come to my room, hey Grace, um, we got this thing going on at school today, I need a red shirt, I don't have a red shirt, can I buy a red shirt? No, you probably can't fit it anyway. Or, hey Grace, I need this from you, can I, whatever. I was probably a terror to her because I feel like I was in competition with her. Instead of looking for ways to serve her, instead of looking for ways to love on her, because it was about me. It was about me being higher than my sister. I didn't serve her at all. And it caused a rift in our relationship. There was a time where I felt so distant and lonely and apart from my sister that I talked to her, I'm like, man, what's, why, why aren't we as close as some of the other sisters I see? Like, why don't you talk to me the way that you talk to your friends? Like, what? And she was like, honestly, Grace, every time I talk to you, you got an attitude or you have something disrespectful to say, or there is something that is just, like, I feel like I'm always hurting your feelings when I'm just trying to get to know you. And I just have to take a step back and like, dang, that's true. Because I'm so busy competing with you, I don't even know who you are, instead of serving. So, not only are we supposed to view it as a way to serve, we're supposed to view it as a gift. That, that first verse says, all this is from God. One of my favorite verses, in God's word um, says that every good and perfect gift is coming from the Father of lights. That's James 1.18. Uh, everything that we have in this life, every single thing that we have in this life, is really a gift from God. And a lot of times we don't see it that way. And I understand there's hard things in our lives. There, there's things that it's just like, man, like how is this a gift from God? But if we go back to what we said about who God is, holy, perfect, loving, gracious, all those things, we understand that everything that he's given us is a gift. So that relationship that you um, thought about when you closed your eyes, what would it look like for you to see that as a gift, really? What would it look like for you instead of to be drained when you go home or upset when you talk to this person? How in the world can that be a gift? And I think it's found in this. It says that we get to be ambassadors for him. We get to represent God in our relationships with each other. That's the gift. You get to be connected to the Father who loves you more than anything by representing him to someone who needs him the most. How much better is that? What can be better than that? So as we think about what a new view of relationships looks like, it's number one, a way to? A way to? And it's also a? Yes. Also a gift. Um, the third point is you must live in your relationships in a grace mentality. So this is a little bit underneath the theology of again of what Grace shared. You must live in your relationships in a grace mentality because God is making us whole. And so sometimes, um, this is me, sometimes we formulate some law-based rather than grace-based relationships in our life. Meaning, 
we are looking for A plus B to equal C. So I did this and I did this. You need to respond this way, right? Okay. Um, but only, only to find that we are going to be disappointed and we are going to disappoint others. Um, because of this, we are often asking the law to do what only grace can accomplish. The problem with this, um, the reason you can't live in this law-based mentality in your relationships is because you, me, humans, we are in need of rescue. We are in need of rescue. We are sinful and we need to be transformed. Thus, our confidence should not be on the ability to keep God's law, but rather in the life-giving and heart-transforming grace of the one who has drawn ourselves to him and has the power to draw us to each other. So we cannot bank on the law. We've got to bank on Christ, right? And so grace is a transforming tool. It's a tool and it's a state of a relationship. So have you ever heard the saying, only those who know much um, they have been forgiven can forgive? Or how about this? Maybe only those who know what love is can actually love? Well, that is actually grace working in and through us. And so anyone who does not know God, oh, wait, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. That's 1 John 4, 8. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she has loved much. But he who has forgiven little, loves little. That's Luke 7, 47. So grace, it shapes the way you respond to others. And just to put this a little practical, okay? For me, my dad, he was not around when I was growing up. He actually like left our family when I was two for drugs and alcohol. Um, and it left us in a pretty crappy situation for a while. Um, and I really struggled with that. Um, even after I became a Christian, like still recently, I really struggled with wanting to love my dad, y'all. I'm like, where you been at? And this is still, today, he still chooses alcohol over me. He didn't come to our Christmas thing um, because he chose, that was his drinking day, you know? Our, our Christmas celebration because that was his drinking day. And so I really struggled to want to respond in love to my father. Um, as time went on, um, and as time is still going on, I have been growing in my understanding of what love really is. Um, and I'm falling more in love. Honestly, and that's God. That's His. Um, that's Him demonstrating His grace to me, and He's been demonstrating that to me in relationships with like friends, my boss who believes in me, a husband who pursued me through His Word, um, and in that, I'm really, really understanding how much I don't deserve and how good and loving my God is, and He's been giving me all these little grace gifts, if that makes sense. So recently, a couple months ago, I got married, and with a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer, and a lot of counsel, because I am not sometimes the nicest person or softest. So with a lot, with a lot of counsel and a lot of prayer, um, y'all, I let my dad walk me down the aisle. And the reason I did, it, it was not easy. I just really struggled a little bit during that time. It's because um, I've seen the grace that's been given to me, and I so badly wanted him to have it too. Um, I wanted him to have that grace too. And so guys, we have 
to live in this confidence. You look at the difficulties of our relationships, of your relationships, not so much as hassles to be endured. So don't look at those difficulties as something you just gotta endure, um, kind of what Grace was just speaking into, but as an opportunity to enter into a deeper experience of the rescuing, transforming, forgiving, empowering grace of Jesus. It's an opportunity for you to get Christ. You know what I got that wedding day with my dad who did not deserve to walk me down the aisle? What I got with that? I got Jesus Christ. And that is beyond all measure. And so an application is we are entrusted with the message of reconciliation. So is grace my default mode to how I respond to others? And I want you to ask yourself, am I responding to others in grace? And even ask myself, man, where is this coming from? Why am I not? And so some of you guys in the room, um, you really have been hurt rightly. Um, and you're like, this is, I don't want to respond that way. You really are the victim, if that makes sense. You really are. Um, and I had learned this the hard way, y'all, in about a couple years ago. Vengeance is too big for you, and it actually doesn't belong to you. It's God's. For you, he paid for it on the cross. For others, there will be a time. So vengeance is not yours. It's too big for you. And then, last but not least, um, the thing that ties all this together, so obviously we're talking about new ways to look at these things, to approach these relationships, you have to have a new view of redemption itself. And this is important because if you're really honest with yourself and you think about the relationship that is the most broken, I think about the relationship that in my life that's most broken, and that's my father, and I'm sure a lot of us have, you know, some uh, daddy issues, mommy issues, whatever, um, those, those brokenness with your parents. Sometimes it's very, if you're real with yourself, it's easy to just not believe that that's possible to be redeemed after going through years and years and years of the same thing over and over and over, um, my father's same as Jesse's, you know, struggles with the same kind of things and has been a lot of damage in our family. And I remember it was 2010 in January, actually, I had become, uh, no, 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 it couldn't have been January. It must have been 2011 in January, because I became a Christian in the 2010. January, at a conference just like this, I committed, I was like, you know what? I'm going to pray for my dad. I'm going to pray for him, that he um, would find satisfaction in Jesus, that he wouldn't have to, you know, struggle with the things he struggled with, but also I'm going to pray that we can have a real relationship. He don't even know my favorite color. It's green, by the way. <laughs> but when you think about your relationship with whoever it is, man, for me, I've been praying. My staff team can tell you. I pray every single I ain't trying to cry up here. I'm a G. Hold on. <laughs> I pray every day for my dad, every single day. And this was back in 2011, right? I don't know if too much has changed. Man, I'm a G, hold on. <laughs> um, I don't know if too much has changed. Oh, thank you. Um, 
And what that does to me, and what that probably does to y'all, is the idea of redemption. It's like, yeah, I know you saved me from my sin. Yeah, I know that you love me, but are you really gonna change this? Are, is this really gonna get better? And it is literally um, a fight. Mac was talking about how the root of sin is disbelief. I want to challenge you guys today. The, the hardness of your heart that you're harboring for whoever that is, whether it's your father, your mother, that best friend that did you wrong, whatever, that, that guy that took something that didn't belong to him, that girl that stomped all over your heart, or whatever that was. It is so hard to let go of that. It is so hard to forgive that. And a lot of times, it's easy to believe that you're never going to be able to get over it. God's never going to change. But if you are redeemed of the Lord, if you have been saved by grace, if you are that new creation that we talked about earlier, it is promised for you. But I want to be clear. What I had to realize is that it doesn't mean that my situation is going to look drastically different. Again, praying since 2011. The thing that has changed might not be my father, but I can stand here today and tell y'all that it's me who has been changed. I love my father fiercely with everything I have. Not because he's been the best dad, not because he's done everything perfectly who has, but I feel the Lord has redeemed me in a way that I never thought possible, honestly. And I can literally stand up here before people I barely know, probably never see again, cry, look like a punk, and be okay with it, because I understand the struggle to want to forgive, the struggle to experience life after brokenness, but there is. It doesn't always mean God's gonna change his circumstance, but I guarantee it means that he will change you. And the way I know that is because of this, the last verse. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus Christ gave him every single thing for you, every single thing. He became sin for you, so that you might become something new. He didn't say he 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 he, he uh yeah 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 he became everything. He became sin so that you could get that brand new whatever, or so that your life will be easy, or so that this or this or this, so that you could become the righteousness of God. You are called to be the righteousness of God in every relationship. That is what redemption looks like. It's not just man. I'm saved. I'm doing my thing. Now it's I'm walking in that in the most broken area that I can think of. And so I'm challenging you guys to think, what is that? What really is it? Don't leave this seminar just thinking, man, this is, I've heard all this before. Um, you know, tired, I'm sleepy. Wake up, Miguel. Um, <laughs> just playing. <laughs> but seriously, seriously, think about what that looks like. What does true redemption look like for me? How can I really follow God in this and not hold anything back from him? Doesn't mean he's going to change the circumstance. But I guarantee he will change you because that's what he died for. Um, so if you just want to go to the next couple of slides. Next one more. Okay, so we're going to just speak a little bit to our own stories of why does DTR define the relationship? Why does this even matter to us? So you heard a little bit about mine, about how... Um, that's my mom's house, actually, over there. Um, how we grew up in a lot of brokenness. Um, so we, 
My dad left, yeah. My mom, she never got the opportunity to go to high school, okay, from a really small farm town. Mom never got to go to high school. So that means there was not a lot of opportunity for her to make money. So when my dad left, we had no money, y'all. And she had two kids, and they were little. And, um, and so we, I was basically a system kid. I was monitored by a system. The kid who received free clothes at Christmas time from the government or from the school, that was me. The kid that had free and reduced lunch or the kid that the school gave school supplies to, I was so embarrassed by it. That was me. Uh, my mom remarried a man, and he was a jerk. He was not good. He was really mean emotionally, physically, and he was in and out of the house um, when he wanted to be. So he married my mom, but it wasn't necessarily a package deal for me and my sister. And um, that has really shaped my view, um, what well, did, of, of men more so, of, of relationships. And um, just fast forward. I came to college, and I, um, and for me, it was like, I, I wanted to get out of that. I wanted to get out of that, and so for me, it was working hard. It was that law-based thing I was talking about. I started working really, really hard. I was like, the only way I'm going to get out of here is I got to get myself out, and so I got a free ride to go to school, um, but when I got there, I, I had to keep working hard, if that made sense, so I could survive, so I could make it, so I could be better leaders than these people, um, so I could be known. Um, but you guys, that working hard was not working out for me. It was really tough in college. There were better leaders than me. School was tough. I had to study. Um, and it was just it was just really tough. And, um, and I didn't really have any friends at this college I went to. I was the only one that went there because it was free. Um, and so I had to make new friendships, so no one knew who I was. And so all the awards and things like that that I won in high school, it absolutely didn't matter anymore because no one cares that you played basketball in high school but you don't college. No one cares if you were like homecoming queen, right? No one cares how hard you worked. Um, so all I had knew, and there's this girl who wanted to continuously, like you probably have that person in your life right now who's just always wanting to hang out with you and talk to you. Um, well, I had this girl, and every time we hung out, all she wanted to talk to me, um, and I had to hang out with her, disclaimer. She was my mentor for our leadership program, and so I was supposed to hang out with her weekly to keep my scholarship, by the way, and this paid for most of my school. But every time I hung out with her, all she wanted to do was share with me about Jesus, and I hated that. I was like, girl, like, I'm struggling. Help me stay in college. I'm from the South. I'm a Christian. Stop. <laughs> right? I was like, just stop. And, and she never said, Jesse, you're not a Christian or any of those things. She just wanted to love me and share her life with me. Well, eventually, I found these group of friends who I thought I were my friends. I ended up going. Um, I was really big into, like, the party lifestyle, too. Um, I went to, like, this uh, back-to-school party for spring break because I didn't go anywhere because I didn't have any money and my family couldn't pay for me to go anywhere either. Um, and I, I ended up getting drugged and raped at this party. And so the next morning I woke up and I was like, why is my life like this, God? I'm back to the same cycle of tyranny and oppression that I was facing growing up. I was like, this just happened from a guy and this, these friends are not really my friends. I'm working hard and it's not working out. And so what God revealed to me was that I was trying to build my own righteousness and I didn't know that in Jesus, he could be my righteousness, that he was perfect, that not, yeah, he died on the cross for my sins, but what got me was that in Jesus, I could find my identity. And I didn't have to be defined by a shotgun house anymore. I didn't have to be defined by a father who wasn't there, who loved drugs and alcohol over his own daughter. 
I got to be defined by a Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. I was loved. And so that's what I wanted. Well, relationships redeemed, right? Um, my mom, who's not in this picture, she, uh, she eventually, I came, I started my relationship with Christ. Like, he changed my heart. Well, my mom, her heart eventually changed, too. She wanted a relationship with Jesus. My little brother wanted a relationship with Jesus. Um, graduated college. I was about to go on staff with Campus Outreach. Hold up, couldn't go on staff because my mom had cancer and I, my mom couldn't work at the time. So she was with my stepfather. My stepfather ended up kicking my mom out of his house. And they had a son at the time. He was like maybe seven. I kicked him out too, right? And so I had to take care of my mom, my sister, my little brother while this happened. And for my mom, that clicked for her. It was the first time she could provide for her kids. And so um, she actually just started going to church and got plugged into discipleship through some women. And then her life just radically started getting transformed. Um, and then fast forward to today. I fast forwarded today. Relationships redeemed. Um, my mom, who helped a lot with this wedding, uh, she is now financially stable. And my little brother, who is about to graduate high school in the past five years, he has not been a system kid. He doesn't even get the option for free and reduced lunch. My sister came to Christ. Um, they still live in this house, right? But they're not struggling like the way I struggled growing up. My mom is actually engaged in their life. My dad got to walk me down the aisle. God used a man um, to show me his love and what a real man was and allowed me to get married. And so I got to see relationships in my life redeemed. My dad, you know, still the same guy, but it's, we, he texts me sometimes, you know, and that's a win. Um, but more so like, I, I'm in Chicago now, and, and, and I've just seen how God took this brokenness and transformed it, not by anything I've done, not by anything anyone has done, all by his grace. It was the gospel that changed my mom's heart. It was the gospel of Jesus Christ that changed my little brother, that changed my sister, that allowed this man to walk me down the aisle. And so that's why this matters to me. Um, and the next slide is just a picture of my family as well. And because we don't have that much time, I want us to be able to do some Q&A and just a small exercise. I, I'll just do it real quick, um, very quickly. And so just a little background. This is my crew, the UFOT family. Um, we are, my mom and my dad are in the middle. Um, my mom with the big, beautiful hair and my dad cheesing with the purple lawn. Um, on the very end there with the gray um, dress, that's me. Next to me is my little sister. And on the other end is my older sister who I used to compete with all the time. And the reason I chose this picture is because before I entered into a relationship with Christ, this picture, this is what my family looked like. Put together, nice and neat. My dad's a doctor, my mom's a nurse. We never really had to struggle with money. Um, we always had, you know, a place to stay, pretty stable. My, my life grew up in the church, you know, we were the respectable family. Um, but the brokenness on the, in, inside the house was just amazing. Amazing level of brokenness. Um, I remember my grandmother, I met her uh, when I was in third grade. And she's from 
Nigeria. So she pulls up to my, my mom picks me up from school, she pulls up, and there's, there's this elderly woman in the passenger seat, and I'm just like, who in the world is this lady with the weird dreadlocks in her hair? Um, and it was my grandmother, met her for the first time, immediately we get home, I go, because I'm an American, Nigerian-American little kid, I don't have a frame of reference for her, so I go to shake her hand with um, my right hand, and y'all know what she does? She literally smacked me. <laughs> Why did she do that? I'll tell you. She smacked me because in Nigeria, when you re when you receive something with the wrong hand, it's very offensive. And I had, I mean, I didn't know nothing about that. I was just in third grade. Um, so that was a trajectory for me and my grandmother's relationship. I had no idea who this Nigerian lady was. I didn't want nothing to do with her. She was kind of scary to me, um, but I knew. Um, that she talked about Jesus all the time. And I was like, well, whatever Jesus you got, I don't want it because you just smacked me in the face. Um, and then my little sister, um, it's kind of the same story as my big sister. We were all in competition with one another, all in competition. And you heard about my dad already, struggles um, with alcoholism, things like that. And my mom literally was the one that held us all together. Um, loves the Lord, faithful, um, and is trying to juggle all these different things. And so the moral of the story is when I became a Christian in 2010, a month after that, my older sister became a Christian. And no longer were we competing, but we became companions in Christ. And then after that, um, I went home the next month and talked to my grandmother about the transformation that God had made in my life. And it was probably the first real conversation that we'd ever had. And we actually became, we actually had a relationship after that went and shared the gospel with my father. No, didn't come to Christ or anything like that. But again, that was probably the most honest conversation that started this new trajectory of me actually understanding why he is the way he is and being able to love him more. Um, and then with my mom, again, new level of friendship, new level of respect, and a role model that I never knew I had. And so for me, before I was a Christian, that's what we look like. But now, I can look at this picture and say, those are real smiles that we actually care about and love each other. And so that's what redemption has to look like for me. So what we're gonna do now is I want everybody to get out a sheet of paper, your booklet or whatever, get some space to write. And I just, we're gonna just do this real quickly, um, just in case, I think we should Um, we'll do this really quickly, but this is what I want you to do. So that remember when you guys closed your eyes and thought of that person? I want you to write down their name. Where you're not going to show this to anybody or talk to anybody about it unless you want to. But I want you to write down their name. Write down the things that make that relationship broken. And then I want you to spend time and really talk to God and ask him to help you to believe that it's actually redeemable. Okay? Does that make sense? So you're gonna write down the name of the person that you thought of, write down all those things that just make that relationship broken. Whatever has happened, whatever's transpired, just get it all out. And then I want you to just spend time talking to God and asking to change your heart to believe that there's actually redemption. We'll take a few minutes to do that.
that was not enough time um, but you can keep working on that and once you finish that up I just want you guys to commit to just a time frame of just praying over that whatever that relationship is whatever those things are if that's Lord I'm gonna take the next week and just pray these things I'm gonna take a month whatever that is for you really ask God um, to change your heart about that change their heart and redeem it in the way he wants to uh, and so now, really quick, we don't have that much time. We just um, are going to give it over to Jesse. She's going to lead us through, um, just wrap us up, and then we're going to have a quick time for Q&A. Yeah, guys, as you DTR, define the relationship, remember the gospel, remember the good news, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he died for your sins, he rose again, he's eternally, eternally, I have used the word, triumphant over all his enemies, right? Over your enemies. So that there is no condemnation for those who believe, but only this everlasting joy found in him. So for you, in Christ, your new story, it actually started at salvation. Thus, you have a sacred future. And if Jesus rose from the dead, guess what? He can help you with healing define the relationships by showing you your greatest need, which is found as God, which is found in God. As he is reconciling you and the world to himself, go out and DTR, okay? Um, that's it. You you can have the opportunity to leave. Y'all want to start looking for other seminars to go to, but we're up here. If you have a Q&A, we'll be here. So. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at conyc.com.